What a joy it is to be part of the body of Christ, to be part of a family who is uh, who wants to do things for the Lord. That's not gonna. There we go. Who's saying, God, just just use me, do something special in and through me. How many of you guys expect God to use you? Yeah, you know, he, he desires to do something extraordinary in us on a regular basis. And so many times we find ourselves just kind of getting up and looking at the task for the day and forgetting that God's got a purpose and he's got a plan for our lives. You're going to hear me speak about this over and over again because I think one of the things that happens for us is we get stuck in ruts. How many of you know what a rut is, right? <laughs> it means you travel the same path for so long that there's these, there's these grooves that are there, and you couldn't even deviate and get off and explore anything any different because the ruts are so deep. God's got some great things in store for us, amen? He wants us to venture outside of the, of, of the, the, the normal ruts of, of Christianity. You might say, well, well, if it's Christianity, why would I want to get off of it? You know, some things have been done in the name of Christ, all right? <laughs> I'm going to venture out here, okay? Some things have been done in the name of Christ that, you know, Christ didn't actually lead in all of those things. We've picked up certain traditions and habits and such like that, and it was for that particular time. How many of you know that Jesus uh, used mud and spit on some eyeballs? Okay, all right. Well, he, he didn't use mud and spit every single time that he went and prayed for the blind eyes to be open, all right? He used a little bit different things once in a while. And so I, I want you to know God can use you in different ways. And, and I'm so excited to be part of a people who's saying, Lord, we want you to use us. And one of the things that we have experienced in, in the Christian church or in the world in which we live is that we have overcomplicated things. And in this, uh, this, this theme that we're working on over the course of the past, uh, past couple of weeks, we're talking about to simplify, all right? If you can bring up that, that slide there, appreciate that. It, to, to make things simpler, to simplify our life. And, and I just want to go through a, a little review, but before I do that, I want to make sure that you know that we have a new devotional, okay? Uh, and it's called this, Celebrating Simplicity. It's a 12-day devotional, okay? So if you start today and you can be on, on track with us, you'll actually end a couple days early. Or if you miss a day, guess what? You've got a day of or two of grace, all right. So go ahead and take and look at that on your uh, YouVersion Bibles and uh, look that up. Raise your hand right now. I'm, I'm going to ask, all right, keep asking. How many of you participate in doing any of this devotional with us? Raise your hand, come on. All right, okay. All of you that are not, go ahead and just say, no, it's not me. Okay, no, it's <laughs> not yet, all right. I can't get that to work. That's okay, all right. I just want to give you the tools. Maybe you got another devotion. I, I love Martha Ann Horn's um, uh report to me. She says, Pastor, I kept on hearing you talk about devotions. I kept on hearing you, and, and, and she shared it with me upon the day that she was leaving, and she says, and you know, I, I just really didn't have that habit of doing that as much as I should, and I, I kept on hearing you talk about it over and over again, and to utilize another resource, another thoughts uh, that was written by someone else who was anointed, who was gifted, who may have been a teacher, how many know that the gift of teacher is one of the gifts that God's given to us to equip the people for, for works of service? Amen? And they, they communicate through books sometimes and through devotions. We, we sometimes get our minds made up in certain paths that, that this is the only way in which the Lord's going to speak to us. And I'm taking this time because I want us to go beyond just participating in services to being and offering services to one another. Do you hear what I'm saying, all right? And, and as, you, as you do these devotions, it will help you to explore and to see uh, the different thoughts that different anointed people have. And so 
Marthanne said, she says, you know what? I never realized so many things about Paul. She just got in the devotional realm, and she started looking up all of the, the devotions about Paul. And, and it was just the different uh, backdrops and such of, of the things that she was learning about his life was just, she says, phenomenal. She says, my whole life is, has been changed as a result of that. And that was in her, in, in her, her latter years. So I'm excited about that to be able to contribute. But, you know, we've been living in a world where people say that they're overwhelmed, they're overscheduled, and they're exhausted. And, you know, I believe that is because we don't know what our purpose is. We don't know what our mission is. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the, taking some simpler steps. And we've been talking about that. But we're going to start here with our mission. And this is a little bit of review but I, I want you to go here with me, all right? See, Central Assembly exists to lead people into an authentic, say authentic. That means a real, all right? We have to say real because some people think that just to call themselves a Christian, they could just do whatever they want to do, all right? And there's no sense of substance to them whatsoever. There's no, there's no uh, the, the next part of this uh, statement, no life-changing effect. There's no life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. But we exist to lead people into authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what you're here for. You're here to lead people, all right? Say lead people. <laughs> yeah, I, you might say, well, I'm not the leader. Every single one of us is leading or influencing someone in one way or another. Now, you can lead people to Jesus. You can lead people into neutrality, or you can lead people away from Jesus, all right, because of the way in which we're responding to certain situations within our life. I hope that you want to be a people who lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're talking about the people who are pre-Christians, we're talking about the most negative-minded people. We want to lead those people, that people who will call themselves anti-God. How many of you want to find and come across a track of someone and, and, and you're in relationship with them and, and for a whole lifetime they just couldn't bring themselves to really believe in God, but as a result of relationship with you and seeing it lived out in you, all of a sudden they say, you know what, I want what you've got. You're leading me down a path of discovery. And helping me to understand what God has for me. And after we lead people into that first part of the decision, we don't want to just leave them there. We want to lead them into uh, becoming truly genuine followers of Jesus Christ. The thing is, is that we have to understand what it looks like. What it is is our target. What are we trying to do? And we discovered in the very first thing, some five characteristics, all right, of, identi of identifying people who are authentic, life-changing Jesus followers. And we said, first of all, they were a grace people. Recipients of grace and givers of grace. Do you remember that? And we said that, you know what, and, and we let this ladder represent the, the, the stairway in our spiritual journey, and, and we, we see God who's, who's way up there, and we put uh, less up there on, on the top, and, and uh, representative of God. And, and we said that in many times, in many ways, in our relationship with Christ, we're constantly got this trying thing that's happening within us. I've shared with you over and over again how I've gone to meet people throughout my years of ministry, and I ask them this question. It's called the EE question. It is this. Have you come to your, the place in your spiritual life that if you were to die tonight, that you know that heaven would be your home? You go up and you ask random people that, all right? And, and, and after you have some conversation with them, and time in and time out, you'll find where people will give some various answers, but, but most of them are pretty much the same. What, what are some of the responses that people you think would give? Have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die tonight, heaven would be your home? I hope so. What else? Who said, someone said, I'm ready. What's it? Someone said, I think so. What else? I'm a good person. 
doing the best I can. I go to church. Those things, right. I say, you know what? So the, the second question is this, you know. Well, let me ask you a second question because you let me a- ask you that one and say, if you were to be standing before the Lord right now and he was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Well, that's what you would say, all right? Some of you would say he died for me. But don't you know that some people would say, oh, I go to the greatest church there is in Muskegon. Someone thinks they, they, they go to Central Assembly, and because you come to Central Assembly of God, then guess what? You're automatically got your name in the roll, right? <laughs> How many of you know that walking into McDonald's don't make you a Big Mac? All right? <laughs> Thankful for that. Amen? <laughs> But, you know, some of the same responses, well, I, I, I believe because I've been a good person, because I do my best, those works are this striving and this wearisome and, and this fear that comes as you climb the ladder and you're getting taller up there and you're just like, oh my goodness, this thing is shaking. You know, it gets a little scary in your spiritual walk at times, right? And that's when God in his grace and his mercy reaches down. And he pulls us up and he, he grabs a hold of us in this journey and takes us to that path. And it's so important to take the simpler steps. And so the, the message that in the, this, this theme of the, that we're talking about here, about simpler steps, it's not really deep stuff, but it's very practical stuff. And it has to be practical, practical because a lot of people are not practicing it. We've made our relationship with Christ an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ more difficult than it needs to be. We need to become a people of grace. Of grace. And in the moment I say that, you know that you've heard extremes in grace, hyper things in strength, where people have talked about cheap grace. You can just do whatever you want and it's going to be okay. That's not what this pastor's saying today. See, the other part about that is the next step, and that is that this grace is going to be accompanied with growth. And the growing process for you means there's going to be some other evidences of, the, of the, 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 the changing nature of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's so important for you to realize that, that the Holy Spirit comes into you not just to get you to behave correctly, but to change you from the inside out so that you begin to even think correctly, that your heart is changed. Listen, there's some people who, who, who think that they're a whole lot better than what they actually are. Raise your hand if that's you before. Come on now, raise your, if you, if somewhere in your life you thought you're a whole lot better than what you actually are. If you don't know that, your husband or your wife can tell you otherwise, all right? Just go ahead. You, know, you thought you were better than that. You thought you were so much, and, and you're just like, I don't know why anyone having a problem with loving me. <laughs> I don't know why everybody doesn't like me, right? I'm a good person. And, and, and we want to think of ourselves in that way. And, and it's important to have a, a healthy God esteem that will lead to a healthy self-confidence, all right? But listen, in the growing process, you realize that you're not all that. And it isn't until the transforming work of the Holy Spirit comes into your life and changes you from the inside out that you start to understand, oh, I guess I need a little work on that, didn't I? We have this principle in, in, in our doctrines, in, 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 as far as Christian doctrine, called sanctification. Did anyone ever hear that word before? 
someone looks at you and say, are you sanctified? And you're scared to answer it, right? Come on, how many of you been there before? Hey, are you sanctified? What? I, I, I think so. <laughs> because you don't, you hear that word sanctified and you think about God himself. You think about the Holy Spirit. You think about perfection. And you're just like, well, I'm not perfect, so am I really sanctified? Listen, we believe in instantaneous sanctification. That when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, that you have been made right. You are regenerated. You are justified immediately. There's nothing more that you have to do or can do to, for him to love you anymore. Amen? And here's the deal. In this process, how many of you know you're not there yet? <laughs> okay. I'm sanctified because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. But there is this progressive sanctification that's going on as well. There is this peeling back of the layers of the onion, and I'm beginning to see, oh, yeah, I got to deal with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, that, that person said a cross word to me, and you know what? Rather than me wanting to treat them the way in which I want to be treated, I wanted to treat them exactly the way they treated me. Come on. You, you know that you've been that, that person before who's been revengeful, who's wanted to get back at somebody. They didn't show you kindness, so why should I show them kindness? They didn't show me mercy, why should I show them mercy? Some of the characteristics, the, uh, the characteristics of an authentic, life-changing Jesus follower is that you have grace in you. You've received grace. You give grace. And guess what? There was this growing factor in you. And, and this growing factor shows up in so many different ways. It shows up in passion for people who cannot help themselves. It shows up in people who are in bondage. It shows up this growth, this, this Holy Spirit regeneration process in you gives you an, an excitement and desire to be able to do things for people that you can't do in and of your own strength. And I'm so thankful, okay? And I gave you some of the, the things that's happening in our community, some of the, 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 the ministries, the, the parachurch organizations, as well as the churches that are gathering together on a regular basis in our community, all right? Maybe you've heard of some of them. Anyone ever hear of Love Incorporated before? Love in the name of Christ. It changed, I mean, what an awesome organization. Raising money. They need volunteers right now, by the way. You say, Pastor, don't we need volunteers for stuff? Yeah, but I believe God's sending us out. Muskegon Pregnancy Services. Anyone ever hear of them before? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've heard of it because they've been here. They're one of our missions, our local missions that we sponsor on a regular basis. How about, uh, how about the rescue mission? Everyone ever hear that before? Yeah. What an awesome ministry. There's, these are places that need volunteers, that need people to just come in. Forgotten Man's Ministry. We, we had one of our missionaries, uh, uh, Danny Peoples, came in and said, listen, I'm the representative. I'm a chaplain for the Muskegon County uh, uh, Jail here. And he says, I, I need some people who will be willing to push a book cart. And just to talk to people. You know what that says to me? That says that we're growing. We're transformed on the inside out. We, we look at some, into people, uh, some people and we say, you know what? They deserve a second chance. We've got first priority. We've got a new friend of ours, Dominique Do Dominique Adult. And I uh, get your name out there, right? And uh, so thankful for you being on the praise team and, and uh, welcome you to our church. Can you do that all right? Welcome another person who's here for this time and season. So great. But, but she's, she has a passion in her heart to, to see people, young people, who've been overwhelmed with the, the, the pressures of life, who have contemplated suicide. 
It's called Bring Hope Alive, an organization that she's began and has individuals throughout this community that's on that board. It, it's amazing. There's uh, persecuted Christians. Anybody here of that group of people? How many of you know we need to pray for them? The Hope Project. Do you know the human trafficking is taking place right in our very state? It's one of the highest levels in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the nation. Is in the state of Michigan. I believe that as God grows in us, a characteristic of a life, of an authentic, life-changing Jesus follower is that they will be compelled because of the inward working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to want to do something about these things. But how do I get beefed up? How do I get nourished? How do I get courage? How do I find the strength? I mean, we know it's the Holy Spirit, but how many of you have really felt alone at different times? You know the Holy Spirit's there. He's working through you and such like that, but just like, I'd really rather not go this path alone. Can anybody raise your hand? I'm just looking for someone who would be like-minded, someone else who would be passionate about these things with me, and, and, and I'm so thankful that's the third characteristic that we're going to talk about, and it's called in gathering, all right? Something that's, uh, that's different about authentic, life-changing followers of Christ is that they desire to gather. It's a New Testament principle. But you know what? The Bible warns us, God's Word warns us, that there's, there's an attempt by the enemy to stop us from gathering. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Have it here on the screen if you want to take a look at it there and turn your own Bibles. It says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> All right. And let us consider. That means let us think about, let us ponder how we may spur. That spurring part, you know what those are, right? <laughs> There's them little sharp objects on the back of a cowboy's boots, all right? And they use them to get the horse going in the right direction. little kick in the ribs. Like, ugh, I don't like that imagery. <laughs> all right, you can take a spear instead and get it on the other end. It doesn't matter to me what you use, but spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us, he says, not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I've got some key words highlighted in there that throughout the course of the next few minutes we're going to kind of hit on it. And I want you to just kind of zero in on, on some of these characteristics, some of these character traits, all right? He said, let us not give up meeting together. Now, lots of people think that that's only with related to the corporate or large group gathering. But I want to show you what took place in the New Testament church on a regular basis, what was demonstrated by Jesus in his relationships with other people, and how he, he traveled and went from house to house. Paul went from house to house. They, they, they had a relationship with people, and they did something on purpose, all right? with an intention and a plan that caused for the Christianity, the authentic, life-changing relationship that they experienced to be manifested, to be made real, to be experienced by other people. So much so that they said, I want to be like you. And that's what we want to have happen for us. He says, I want you to consider how you may spur. I want you to think about it. Listen, he's faithful. He is faithful. There's, no, there's, there's nothing... That is ever, could ever be said by the enemy that would, that, that would ever take away God's faithfulness. It doesn't matter what goes wrong. It doesn't matter what dysfunction. It doesn't matter what chaos. It doesn't matter what tragedy. You can't look at God and say that he's not faithful. 
Whenever the enemy tells you that, when someone ever comes to you and says, well, if God is so loving, then how in the world would a loving God allow for a crazy man to go into a church in Texas and to kill 26 innocent lives and to injure 20 others? How is God involved in that to hear that the church is going to be demolished because nobody can bring themselves, the pastor losing his own daughter, 14 years old, to go back into that place and worship again. Where is God? How many of you think that you got quick answers for that? How many of you know you, you tread a little bit lightly because you, you realize the people who are probably asking that question have dealt with some serious tragedy within their lives and, and they don't have answers and, and they probably even got a little bend or a little bit of curve towards not believing that God is faithful. They're not always looking to you for an answer. They may be looking for agreement. They just got this irritation. They got this anger. And, and their view of God is, is, is distorted and it's twisted. And, and they're just like, if God is real, then, then why would he let these things happen? How many of you know that we live in a fallen world? We live in a place that, that there's all kinds of things that are not right. I, I heard different people answer this question different ways. I, I um, heard Franklin Graham answer and you know the question he was asked it and and the question was well why does God allow these things to happen and his words they well God doesn't allow it to happen to which part of that I, I agree with and I think what the person was saying is if God is all powerful and he can stop and he can do whatever he wants to do then then why what, what do we believe what is the sense of praying and asking God to always protect your children or protect your family or to always provide for you. Then, then, then it means no one should ever lose a job, right? No one should ever experience the loss of, of, of a loved one or of life. Or, or there shouldn't be any broken relationships because people are praying for their relationships, for their, for their marriages to be solid. But get, how many of you know that things still go sideways? And it's like, Wow. What am I, is there any sense in praying at all? How do you know that that's exactly where the enemy wants to get you to? He doesn't want you to even think for a moment. Listen, you have in mind the things of men and not the things of God. You have a temporary viewpoint of the things that are going on, and you can't quite see it because you love more the things of this world than you do God himself. And that's a hard word. But that's where we got to get our minds to go when you think about it. How else can I live and go on if these things that I hold so dearly is to myself is taken away? It is only when we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And that is that this is not the end of it, church. This is not even the end game. This life that we live, God always had in mind that we were going to live for eternity. Right now, the best you have. I don't know what the longest person living right now, but maybe 105, 108 or something like that in our particular day and time. But most, lots of people are maybe seeing 80. By the way, we have somebody here today that I want to recognize, all right, again, for faithful years of service. Ken McKinnon. You back there? Right there he is, yeah. Stand up if you would, please. 
Kim McKinnon and Grandpa McKinnon from some is, has been a faithful servant to this church for I don't even know how many years. It's, it goes back before I was even a youth pastor. He was here and he was serving and, and faithfully just ready to do whatever he could to bring an encouraging word, to speak about how God used his circumstances in his life to bring glory and honor to God. That's awesome. And Ken, we thank you so much for your years of service. He's, he's been an usher right back there, and, and he's going to pass the baton on to some, some other young people, all right, who's going to be able to pick that up. We're looking for other people to join us on a regular basis all the time, all right? And, uh, but he, he's going to, I don't know if he'll fill in at different places if, if, if necessary, but on a regular basis, he's going to have himself be taken off of the schedule. But we want to show honor where honor is due for people who have given faithful years of service. Amen to us here. Can you just show your appreciation one more time to, to Ken? Thank you so much. We love you. God bless you. It's his birthday tomorrow, 91 years old, right? 91 years old tomorrow. God bless you. Yeah. A few years ago, we... Recognize the same thing with Brother Glenn Huey, who sits back there too, <laughs> and still faithful to us. See, what I'm pointing out to you is that it's in these times that we should hold unswervingly to the hope because, because Ken had a tr very tragic situation that took place in, in his life. His, whole, his house exploded. He had to start over. Total loss. But Ken's story is this. And it's this so that, you, and you get this when you gather together with him, when you talk to him on a regular basis, and, and you find out that God has provided for me and taken care of me every step of the way. Those are the stories that we need to hear. We need to know. He, he who has promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. You might wonder, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why is it so difficult? Because we live in a place where wickedness abounds, but it's not the end game. It's not where we're at. Jesus says, guess what? I am going away to pre prepare for you a mansion. I am going to creating a place where there's going to be streets of gold. I'm telling you that there's going to be no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more death there. I'm telling you that this place that you're living in right now, why you think it's the end all, why you think it's great, why you love your children as you should, why you love your spouses as you should, you should never love any of the things of this world more than what you love him. Because he's going to give us this. He has given us this eternal life, for those of you who know him. Amen? It's, it's an awesome thing uh, for us to do. But he says, listen, something's going to happen. You need to spur one another on because things are going to happen in your life, and the enemy's going to try to convince you that it's not worth it, and where is God? And you're going to have to meet together more and more and more. And there's this, you need to gather together often. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, you know the passage uh, that, that's there, okay? It, it's, it's one we've used on a, on a regular basis. I, I call it the, basically the model for the New Testament church and how they, they gather together. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Look at that. They devoted. Say devoted. How many of you would agree that we've got a hard time seeing devotion happen in an American society and culture today? We are fair weather fans. <laughs> How many team didn't do so well yesterday? <laughs> Michigan State, oh my goodness, what happened to them, right? <laughs> oh, all right, all right, can't go there. 
Anyway, and, 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 but devotion. We de- they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, not to a temporary team. To the t- apostles and to the fellowship and the breaking bread and to prayer. Four things there they find themselves dedicating themselves to. And it says, everyone was filled, all right? I want, I want to point out this next uh, passage here. Uh, all the believers, say all, were together. They, they were what? Together. Gathering, all right? One of the principal characteristics of a genuine, authentic follower of Christ is that, guess what? They're full of grace. They're growing, and they're growing because they're gathering together on a regular basis. All the believers were together. Look at this. It says, at verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Well, it wasn't only in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And look what happens. And the Lord added to their number daily. Now, some might think, okay, well, we could use some of the people from that other church. It should be nice we had some other people you know, from, come over from so-and-so, right? But here's what they added to the number daily. Those who were being saved. Those who were lost. God, we need you to put a passion within us for those who are lost. Those who have fallen off the track. They, they've, they've lost their direction. God, we need you to help us. I want you to notice something here. That these people had a gladness within them. No one forced them to do it. They wanted to do it. One of the things that we're trying to help this congregation understand is that we gather together for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and counting our fellowship time together in, in, a, in a week. And then we have some, some classes and such. But how many of you know that that's not enough time to spur one another on? It's not enough. You see, one of the reasons that that churches become successful and and actually are able to make a difference in people who are lost or who who have lost their way is because they have regular interaction with them. And they knew it. And they met together daily in the temple courts and they went into each other's homes and they ate together on a regular basis now listen i've shared about this before but we we can't quit sharing it until we understand how important this is it's just simple be a people of grace be a people of of a plan growth plan be a people who want to gather together because if you gather often you'll be able to spur one another on listen when you go to the workplace, it's a, it could be a lonely place for you. You've got to keep your mask on. Even when everything's going wrong, you've got an image, you've got a profession, you've got a vocation, you've got to produce. But is there anywhere in your life where you can let down your guard when you're having troubles in your marriage? You're having trouble with your kids. And you can say to somebody, will you pray for me? I don't know what to do. I'm doing everything I know what to do. What did you do? How did you make it through this? I got an, Is there any overcomers in here today? <laughs> Anybody who could say, you know what? I'm an overcomer because I actually messed some things up all by myself. I mean, I've ventured down some paths, and, and really, I don't want you to follow after me, but I could tell you some stories. I could tell you about how somebody came into my life at exactly the right moment in time when I was about ready to give up. And, and they began to share with me how important it was not to give up. 
See, we need to do this. We, we need to gather with purpose. And it, it's so important that you understand what purpose it is. When the purpose is when someone comes to you and, and you're sharing in this small group, and, and, and I want to break it down. Listen, we try to and, and are trying to and going to continue to, to have organized small groups, all right, because it's an important aspect of a ministry, of the discipleship process. But how much more exciting it is when there'd be two, three, four, five families who get together and just say, listen, it's the only reasonable response that I have, that I have the desire to want to spur you on in the most holy faith. And I'm going to find something that we like to do together. And we're going to gather together on a regular. You see, you gather together on purpose. The purpose was to expect to encourage one another. Now, how do you encourage one another? You take off the mask and you share the things that are vital, right? Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, as I do in me, he has a desire to be around people who also are of like-mindedness. You want to have this kind of a relationship. I mean, r- right now, as, as, as we are, came in here and we worshiped together today, there's some of you who don't know the person who's just in the row in front of you. You don't know them by name. You don't do know what they do for a living. You don't know how many kids they have. You don't know what struggles they have. And maybe some of you do there, but you go two or three rows back. We're not that large of a church where we can't know a great amount of people, all right? But I wonder how purposeful, how intentional we are at getting to know just a few even. To where you say, you know what? You can count on me that I'm going to be in contact and available to you by phone, by email, by text, by messenger, by Facebook. I mean, all of the ways of communication that we have here today. Is there ever any reason for the church to be disassociated from one another? There's not. Some of you right now are saying, ah, I understand that I am part of a great movement of God. I understand that, that there is so much potential that we have. And some of you are saying, oh, uh, all I want to do is come to church. All I want to do is come to a service. All I want to do is sing them songs. And I want them to sing the right songs. And I want the volume to be right. And I want the, 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 the chair that I sit in to be comfortable. And I want this and I want that. I want it to be cool. I want it to be warm, whatever it is. And then I want to check out and go home. And I really don't want to think about the rest of the body anymore. Listen, something happened with the New Testament church. And what happened was they were concerned about one another. They considered how they might spur one another on. It's not a natural way of thinking. It's a spirit's way of thinking. Amen? And until we come out of our comfort zones, which will come against your flesh. Over and over again, I've heard people say, I just didn't realize how much fun I was going to have until I got here. <laughs> boy, to pull myself up off of that lazy boy, up off of that couch, whatever it is, and, 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 and just to go to one more meeting. No one wants to go to another meeting. But how about you go to a place? How about you go to a gathering, and you intend to spur someone on? You intend to, to consider how you might encourage someone? You consider how, guess what? You might speak about the things of God. See, that's the purpose. We have so made a religious practice about only talking about the things of God when we're in this house of God. And we forget that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And where we go, we should be talking about the things of God on a regular basis. Amen? Our conversations at the football games. 
There's a way to bring God into that. There's a way. Well, well I, I know I just prayed to take his head off, all right? But I mean, but how, put them back together again. I don't know whatever. There's a way. No, there's, there's a way when we gather together in fun. Did you, it, where we could just stop for a moment and say, Didn't you, did you see God in that? Did you see how God and his faithfulness and working through that situation was when you gathered together? We have religious practices, but not life-changing relationship. I wonder if we have a hard time performing the mission of the church because we ourselves are challenged in the authentic, life-changing relationship ourselves. I'm not being accusatory. I'm, I'm, I'm presenting to us all options. I want you to evaluate what evidence is there in me that shows that I have this authentic life-changing relationship that wherever I go, just like a hunter who's excited, who's excited about his 10-point buck that he took down, that with meticulous detail, I could talk you through the plans and the strategy about how that new convert or that pre-Christian came into my life and I seen him walking down the path. I seen him in the store and their life was chaos. They started to share something with me and then I shared this and before we knew it, we were talking about the things of God and we were excited and I invited them to church and, and before they knew it, they, they actually accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Or I prayed. I prayed that God would put someone in my path. I prayed He'd give me someone to pray for. We need to spur one another on in attendance. Did you, did you know that there's a statistic right now that people uh, going to church, and it's, and it's true actually within this church, we've done some, some of the studies, I'm, I'm not sure how close it is, but but the average that m attendance for most people is about 1.8 times per month that people will come to church. So 2.2 times per month, or <laughs> you got the fifth Sunday as well in there from time to time. You've got other things that's going on. Now, th for some of you who's here more often than that, then praise the Lord. But in averages, in the law of averages, 1.8 times per month is what a number of people are actually attending church. So, so in order for me to share a message to get to everybody... <laughs> We have to be repeating with it, right? <laughs> but but we, we, it, it would just be so much better if we gathered often, if we made it a point together. And, and if it wasn't in the service, it was at least in our small group. It was at least by way of phone. <laughs> there was a minister who was walking to church one morning when he passed one of his members who was working in his garden. This particular person, he tried to get him to come to church on a regular basis, and this, this guy just, <laughs> he was oblivious to it. He says, can't you hear those bells calling you to church? Asked the member, the minister. He said, hey, what's that? <laughs> he says, can't you hear those bells calling you to church? He said, I'm afraid you'll have to speak a little louder, said the member. He says, can't you hear those bells calling you to church? He said, I'm sorry. I can't hear you because of those ridiculous bells. They're reminders all around us to be faithful, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. And guess what? We find a way to just push those things aside. I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but this is not your goal. Your goal is not to have an easy life right now. That's not what God made you for. 
He actually said, because guess what? You're going to be hated because of me. You're going to suffer because of me. You are going to have to reach deep down within your innermost being, and you're going to have to rely upon my presence to be able to help you pass the next trial and circumstance and tribulation. And if you don't have it, if you don't have people who are gathering together with you with the same purpose, then you might fall by the wayside. How about you make a plan? A plan to become involved. A plan to have fellowship. A plan to get connected with people. Listen, church is important, but church is not a service. It's the people. When you look at one another, are you looking and thinking of the church? Or when you think of the church, do you think of the church office? Do you think of it as the responsibility of this pastor, all of, all of my staff and such, to do, to, to do the follow-up that's necessary in order so that everybody can be excited about being part of Central Assembly of God? Because when we start to become the people who knows who's missing in front of us or to the left of us or right of us or behind us, and we start to say, you know what? I'm going to find out their number. I'm going to find out their name. When we, when we quit having the report that comes to people, listen, this church is an awesome place. I love these people. I love every single one of you. But you know, some of the things that we hear from individuals who, who may move on or go to a different place or be in here for a little while, we have a great first impression. And this is, this is characteristic of a lot of churches, a lot of places. But how we care for one another or the new people coming in afterwards is a little bit challenging. And it's not because anyone tries to have those clicks. It's just because they're more comfortable. It's easier. And the purpose and plan that we have is that we would come together and encourage one another. Someone has done that for you, I would suggest. Praise him, I want you to come up if you would, please. Someone has made a way to speak out to you just the way that Jesus spoke to a little man. A wee little man was he. His name was Zacchaeus, and he's found in Luke chapter 19. And as he was, Jesus was coming into town, Jesus, the, the guest of honor, thought him not, himself not too busy to be able to stop and to say, <laughs> Zacchaeus, you had the intent to want to see me and made the extra effort to climb up into a tree. You are right spiritually. You need a lot of help, as a matter of fact. And I might even make a lot of people upset about me going to your house rather than going to some of the high-ranking officials. But guess what? You're on, you are in need of my presence today. That's, what he's, that's basically what he was saying. And the very, he doesn't speak to him about what Zacchaeus has done wrong. Zacchaeus is a tax collector who has cheated out a lot of people. And just because Jesus is coming over to his house today to have some dinner, Jesus invited himself, by the way. <laughs> Pretty awesome. <laughs> that's maybe, well, just try that, all right? <laughs> Someone, someone don't invite you for a long period of time, you just go ahead and look at them and just say, you know what, I'm coming to your house today. <laughs> Think about it. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I'm coming to your house today. Now, here's the, now, that's simple. The complex thing is people start to think about more about, well, my house isn't clean, it's not ready, it's not big enough, it doesn't, it's not on the same level in comparison as what you have and the things you, all of those reasons. What do I have to offer? I mean, they're ridiculous. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's ridiculous. It's complicated. How about I become like Jesus? 
And I have this idea that someone who is in need would love for me to spend time with them. And if it's too awkward for you to invite yourself over to them, then go ahead and invite them over with you. But who, over the course of the next week, month, or year, will you say, you know what? I'm going to simplify this. I'm going to find a way to be a person of grace, to be a person of growth, and to be a person, a person who wants to gather together with other people. Because certainly this is not the only gathering point that God has in mind for us. I'm going to find out about a small group. I'm going to talk to Pastor Ann about the ones that are available that's open right now. And you know what? I'm just, if, if, if it's not even organized, I'm just going to get together with some people. We're going to go to dinner on a regular basis and we're just talking about the things of God. We're going to pray. We're going to pray in a restaurant. Listen, if, if, if it makes you feel awkward praying in a restaurant when you bow your heads and close your eyes because everybody else gets a little awkward, I, I know that happens. No one really doesn't have much issue at all when you keep your heads up, all right, and you're talking with one another. But the moment you bow your heads down, then there's a sense of reverence that comes. It's pretty cool, but it, it can also make some other people feel awkward, like you're embarrassing. How about just keep your eyes open and just begin to say, Lord, I thank you for just being here with us today. I thank you for my friend, Willie. I thank you, God, for uh, Melvin. I thank you, God, for... Uh, Damon, I, I, uh, and I pray, God, that you would just uh, keep your eyes open. Begin to talk about the things of the Lord. Begin to share things with one another. It, we have made it religious actions and have taken God out of the equation. It ought to be simpler that when you gather together, you can do it more often. And guess what? You can do it on purpose. How about spur one another on? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come here today. And we're thankful, Lord, that you've given to us each other. What a joy it is to be part of a congregation that is willing to reach outside of ourselves. To be able to make a difference in other people's lives. Lord, we ask right now that if there be anybody in here who feels orphaned, abandoned, feels isolated, feels alone, that the spirit that is alive within us would just help us to be able to see that and sense that and know that. That relationships would be so strong within this church that we would find a way to minister to one another. We have the example of your word about what worked. We see it happening in other places and it's it's happened here throughout the years and God, I think we just need a, a reset. God, help us, I pray. Lord, to just become enthused about encouraging one another. Simple, Lord. Help us to know how to do that. This is going to be a really challenging response for some people here today. And I mean not to embarrass anybody. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, out of courtesy to the other individual, this is not an altar call. It's, it's just something that this pastor would know. And, and, and so I can pray for you, all right? You say, I don't know if I want to let you know that, but I, I, I really want to pray for you. And I don't remember all the names, but the Holy Spirit will show me, all right? But if you're here today and you say, I'm experiencing a time of desperation in my life, a time of isolation. I'm experiencing a time of, of, of loneliness, and I need... I need 
encouragement. I need some, some spurring on in a loving kind of way. And, and Pastor, with the Holy Spirit as my witness, I'm going to lift up my hand and, and I'm going to pray for you that God will send people into your life. All right? You say, I'm willing to pull back that mask. I'm willing to say, I'm one of those that needs something from the body. I need something from, from God. I need something from the Holy Spirit. But I need something from the body today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me? Come on. Where are you at? Where are you at? Come on. Lift it up. Please, yes. Thank you. Thank you for those. Thank you for being real. God bless you. All of those hands. We can put them down now. Thank you. Church, there's individuals who said this. So, so I, I feel like the Holy Spirit led me into it so that I can testify to you that there are individuals. You might say, there's no one here like that. Everybody just, they're, they're doing fine. But they're not. So I'm going to pray a, a Holy Spirit miracle, all right? Will you agree with me right now? Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you allow for us to become a church that cares more about others than what we have demonstrated. I pray, God, that those who raise their hand, that miraculously people will come, they will be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Maybe they're going to be bold enough to be able to reach out and say, will you come to my house today? Will you, can I come to your house today? Whatever it is, Lord, and in whatever way, I pray in Jesus' name that there would be something that would happen that allow for us to become so cohesive together as a church couldn't stop this thing. We couldn't stop the momentum. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those individuals who were making themselves vulnerable before you. And so I pray right now that you would just help them. Help them to be able to grow and help those, those, those needs of isolation to be met. They would feel fulfilled. They would feel spurred on. They would feel encouraged. In Jesus' name.